This is episode eight, and it is going to be released on my birthday. And I think it's a great opportunity to share my caregiving story with you and how I came to this calling of mine to help caregivers to take care of themselves and to thrive. Because for me, birthdays are always a celebration of me and my parents, and I want to honor them today. And because my caregiving journey started with my mom. Let's talk about it. Even though I was born and grew up in a patriarchal society where it is a job and responsibility of children, especially females, to take care of their elders, my parents brought me up to be able to take care of myself first. My dad was an Air Force pilot flying a strategic bomber during the Cold War. He was a loving dad, and I loved him very much. But he was an unreliable parent because he was away for long periods of time. And to be honest, he had quite a dangerous job. I was born on a military base in the close proximity of the nuclear test range, which did me, didn't make me glow in the dark, but it was the reason my mom got cancer before my first birthday. In a way, you can think of it as us having a family of five. My dad and his military service, my mom and her cancer, and me. We never really talked about the possibility of me losing any or both of my parents at any moment of time and for different reasons. But it was always there. The understanding that my mom needed a little bit of special care, that my dad was rarely at home, and we never knew when he would be home again. So if we were alive and we were together, that was enough reason to celebrate. And it was my parents who taught me to appreciate and celebrate the present moment. To celebrate here and now, because you never know if you have it tomorrow. My parents never told me I could become an orphan, and therefore I need to be able to survive on my own. They were teaching me to be a responsible person, to be responsible for myself, and to be self-sufficient. They had high demands and expectations of me, of course. And I was a normal child who didn't always do what my parents expected of me, of course. And I gave them more than enough reasons to be disappointed, of course. And I have never heard them saying that I was not good enough or I didn't deserve to be loved and respected. It was their gift to me for the rest of my life knowing that I am enough, I deserve respect, and I deserve to be loved. It's non-negotiable. In my late 20s, I asked my mom about her cancer, and she told me her story of survival. She uh, had an aggressive form of cancer soon after I was born. 
And by the time she got from that military base in the middle of nowhere in Central Asia to the city where her parents lived and where she could get proper treatment, the doctors didn't give her any promises for recovery. They just told that they would do their best. And my mom decided that that was a very wrong time for her to die because she had this infant baby whose father was away a lot and could be killed in action anytime. And someone had to bring up that baby. So my mom set an ambitious goal of surviving the cancer treatment and the surgery to be able to take care of her baby. And she did. Then she set the next goal of leaving at least I turn seven and go to school. And she did that too. Then it was until I finished school and go to university and graduate from the university. And then until I get married and have children. And we lived according to that plan. It's probably the most inspiring story about the power of mindset, I know. There was only one hiccup. I wasn't in a hurry to get married and have children. Eventually I did. And then I had a baby. And my mom became a grandma. And eight weeks into that exciting journey, we found that her cancer was back for the third round. I remember we were somewhere in the hospital and she was not in a great mood, and I told her her own survival story to support her, and I tell her that her next milestone milestone would be uh, to wait until my son goes to school, and then he graduates from university, and he, he would get married, and he would have his own children, and she would become grand-grandma. I try to be cheerful, as we usually are when we are horrified by what is happening to the person we love. But she said no. Now it was my story, not hers. At that moment, I saw how she gave up. She achieved all her milestones that she set up for herself, and she didn't want to set new ones. That was also a lesson about the power of mindset. And it was the beginning of the years of my personal hell. I became her caregiver. I was a very happy mother of a newborn child. And at the same time, my own mother, who was my best friend and my role model and the best mom ever, had terminal stage of cancer. And I ended up taking care of her as well. And to add the fun to the whole story, I was living here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and my mom lived in Ukraine. At some point, when she became bedridden, I had to relocate to Ukraine and bring my baby with me, because he was still a breastfed baby. He was a U.S. citizen, and he does not have Ukrainian citizenship. So every three months, I had to take him out of the country to get the re-entry stamp in his passport so he can return to Ukraine with me. And even though Ukraine is surrounded by a bunch of countries and such travel should not be a problem, at that time, 
because of the political situation, diplomatic relationships between the country and visa regulations of that time, it turned out that the easiest way for both of us with different citizenships to go out of the country was actually to fly back to California. So every three months I had to fly from Ukraine to California and back. But flying back and forth with the baby is not the hardest thing that I did. It's actually easy. Flying with children gets harder when they get older and start complaining that it's take too long and they are bored. Or when they grow up and don't have enough legroom on the plane anymore. Anyway, that was my life then. While I was taking care of this little child of mine who was learning to eat on his own, learning to walk, getting out of diapers, and getting more and more independent, there was another person who was basically becoming my child. I had to supplement her diet with formula for adults. She was paralyzed and couldn't get out of bed. I had to start using the diapers for her, and I had to do all these things that we normally do with little children, but not with parents. And while I was doing all of that, I was in a halt-tight mode, telling myself I can handle this. It just this season, it will get better. My child will grow up because children grow up and I can do it. I'm a strong person. And it was hard. The hardest part of all of that was what I was feeling inside. What I was feeling inside was truly scary for me because here's my mom who was the most important and the most loving person in my life. And all of a sudden, I had this very strong resentment towards her because I didn't want her to be the way she was. I wanted her to be my mom the way how she supposed to be, because this is how she had been my mom for the previous 30 years of my life. But she was not anymore. And I couldn't understand why she became a different person and why she was not the same person anymore. She had early dementia related to medical treatments she got and the chemicals that were injected in her body. And she reminded me of a wounded animal at that time, being in pain and trying to bite anyone who is approaching to help ease that pain. My mom was gone, and what I had in front of me was a mean, aggressive, manipulative person I was not recognizing anymore. I wasn't understanding that I was grieving my mother because I thought it was wrong to grieve someone who was still alive, and I felt guilty. I was afraid of my thoughts about my mom. At some point, I was thinking that probably it would be better if she dies. And as soon as I had that thought, I was terrified. How could I wish that? How could I wish that not just for anyone, but for my own mother, whom I love? I had a lot of heavy guilt, and I thought of myself, what kind of monster am I becoming if I had those thoughts and feelings? 
I also had a bunch of so-called well-meaning relatives and neighbors and other people in my life who saw what was happening and who were giving me instructions what was the right thing to do, who I had to consult, what procedures and treatments my mom needed, and so on. And while they all were giving me a lot of advice, nobody wanted to do anything to help. They were very good at telling me what to do and then blaming me for not following the instructions. Because I was the only child and it was my divine duty to take care of my mom. And outsourcing it to anyone was unthinkable because outsourcing the changing of diapers of my mom was considered to be almost a betrayal of her. How can you hire a stranger who would take care of the sacred person of your life, which is your mother? I didn't listen to them, because I had to survive. First, I was hiring someone to stay with my mom while I had to take my son back to California for a couple of weeks to get his re-entry stamp and none of the relatives volunteered to help me with that. Then I hired a wonderful person who was really my angel, who was coming every day to help me with my mom, so I wouldn't be doing everything myself, so I would have at least three hours of uninterrupted sleep, and I actually could be a mom to my child. It wasn't easy. I knew I had to do it to survive, and at the same time, the judgment about my decisions was palpable. I was going against the will and so-called wisdom of my relatives. They never missed an opportunity to tell me how wrong I was and what a horrible person I was. I think the only way for me to do it right, according to them, was to give my child up for adoption and die out of exhaustion next to my mom. When my mom died, I didn't feel anything I thought I should feel. I was tired, and I was glad it was over for all of us. I was glad her suffering was over, because no living being had to have so much pain as she did. And I was glad I would not have to travel every three months anymore. Actually, I didn't travel for quite a long time after that. I didn't know at that time that I would suffer from complex PTSD after the death of my mother. And it would take me years before I would be able to sleep through the night peacefully. At that time, I carried a lot of guilt a lot of anger, and a lot of resentment. I really wished there were someone who would help me survive that crazy time. Not in terms of taking care of my mom physically, like changing diapers and feeding her and arranging doctor visits and all of that. I'm very fortunate to have friends who were by my side and who were helping me and teaching me how to stop being that superwoman who can do it all and ask for help and accept the help offered. I wish there was someone who would help me not to go nuts myself 
and stay sane while I was in that season of my life. Not only because I needed that sanity to continue taking care of my mom, but also because I had a child and I knew that sooner or later my mom would die and when that happens, I would want my child to have a sane mother. I believed there should be a way to deal with all of that, that there would be a way to help a person in such situation. And because I didn't have such help, I couldn't find such help, I decided that I would be that person who can help. This is how I became a life coach. And if you are on this journey right now, I'm here to help you to go through this. And because it's my birthday today, I want to ask you for a favor. If you rate and review this podcast, meaning putting these five stars and writing a blurb how you find this podcast useful, you will help me reach more caregivers for whom the information that I'm sharing on this podcast can be very helpful. There is someone who is looking for help. And if you do that, it would be the greatest gift from you on my birthday. Thank you. And thank you for listening to my story. I appreciate you. And I love you with all my heart. Talk to you soon.